Welcome to the Fuse Cup Meet the Coach podcast, an opportunity to get to know the coaches and hear from those working in esports in education. Well, what can I say about our next guest other than she's amazing? She's an endless stream of creativity, positivity, and she's a deep and reflective educator who always makes others consider new perspectives. She's been instrumental in implementing a thriving esports culture in her school. I always love chatting and learning from her. Please welcome Kathy Hunt. Kathy Hunt, welcome to Meet the Coach. How are you? Thanks so much for da- having me, Dan. I mean, look, it's week two. That should answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have that break and then you get back into it and you're like, oh, uh, what? Look, I always say to people, I love my job and that is absolutely true, but it does not matter how much you love your job. <laughs> <laughs> no, Those school you... holidays are pretty unreal. Yeah. So coming back to the shop to the system, but um, yeah, look, what a wonderful way to start the year with a chat here. So let's do it. Uh, thank you so much. Look, for those of you that don't know, Kathy and I have known each other for years and it's so nice to see you and, and connect. We, we should, should do this more often, even if it's not for a podcast, because um, <laughs> we were really fortunate enough to work together and we put on a couple of conferences. We had, you know, looking back on those years that we worked together, I don't think we realized how actually special they were. So it was an honor to work with you and to just have that kind of endless positivity and creativity that you, you know, threw in there and then that wicked sense of humor. So Thanks so much oh, look, for being on. Now my mum also thinks I'm pretty cool, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's two people now. That's awesome. I've doubled it on one day. <laughs> no, I feel exactly the same, Dan. And um, yeah, Barbara Streisand is belting out memories in my mind right now as as you're getting nostalgic there. We've had some pretty good times and um I'm sure there's a lot more to come. Thanks for yeah, having me. Absolutely. Again. So look, for those of, you know, the people that are listening, our our viewers and listeners, just tell us a little bit about yourself as an educator and your background. Um, Star sign is um, Sagittarius. I like long Um, words on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Geez, I really had to struggle to even know what my star sign was then. Wow. Um, No, I mean, in all seriousness, I've had quite a diverse career now, which um, in my mind is probably the best kind. at, at no time have any students been hurt um, in in the dealings that I've had with them from falling off logs, creating steam bridges or, or artworks of any kind. So that's good. Um, but I, again, in all seriousness this time, um, I've been teaching for 20 years now. Um, and the thing that I guess I love best about the job is the kids. And um, they never fail to inspire me and amazing. And um, although I've worked predominantly in the arts, media arts, STEAM and digital technology spaces, um, it's the hybridity of schools that I really love and talking about the cross-curricular kind of connections, creativity um, and what students really know and can do. And of course, there is a lot of negativity at times in education, but I'm very focused on practical um, applications for things that we know do work um, and that can make our schools wonderful places. And that sort of brought us to esports so by way of a kind of 20-year journey there how does that feel (laughs) Um, and it ties really well into the the next question because it was you know I know that you've always been really interested in engagement and creativity and tapping into students interests but I didn't didn't know that you had any kind of interest in gaming at all no no I'm rubbish at (laughs) Pac-Man Like, you know, if you gave me 40 cents back in the day, it would have been spent in minutes, my friend. That was not an investment for me. 
Um, and so generally, like it was, it was all about Tetris on Game Boy, and we left it there. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I'm just a, I'm a very competitive person. I've had a, a long history with um, sports in general, and I think for me, um, what it's about is really that intersection of if the students are interested in it, I'm going to go there because that's mm. the place to be with them. Um, and beside them, it's not about esports; it's about the kids. Yeah. Um, and the intersection is in that sporting space because I really see the same wonderful things that sport brings to the table in schools and for kids um, in this digital version. So um, I'm having a great time learning about all kinds of things. Dislike Discord immensely, though. <laughs> Shall I just say that that has been an adventure? But look, mm. the good and the bad at the moment, um, it's it's all good. You know, the, the, the moments of, um, I guess, friction, are far outweighed by the the wonderful um, engagement that the kids have had in this space. Yeah, and it's been really interesting seeing you know the way in which you interact naturally with your students around that kind of you know coaching model. Whereas you're you're there as a support person is what I've I've observed. The students are really the leaders, and you're just there kind of you know facilitating and supporting and and kind of encouraging and and that's a really nice. Kind of position to be in because it, it allows you to build those kind of strong relationships which you've always done I've, I've seen you do that but it's nice to see it in a different area as well which is really cool yeah and i think it's it's always about confidence um in in terms of in yourself to let the kids be confident and to to lead and i think that um again in this setting it's like every other classroom that I'm fortunate to be in. If the kids are interested and enthusiastic, engaged, excited, all of those great words, then they will bring um, the best of themselves to the table. They'll bring others along. They'll willingly share the things that they know. They'll help you um, if you're honest about what you do not and, and do actually know. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, that word confidence is probably a little bit underutilized when we talk about teacher capacity, because yeah. I see a lot of discussion around um, building capacity and the things that teachers need to know, need to learn, need to professionally develop. Um, but, you know, in doing so, sometimes there can be a lot of talk about the gaps and about what they don't know and understand. Mm. Um, and acknowledging those things and having confidence to move in those spaces is actually really important to talk about too. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that some teachers are naturally comfortable with. And, you know, other teachers uh, almost feel exposed if they allow themselves to go, well, I don't know that. I hope that that's changing. Um, but, you know, one of the things that is a common thread between yourself and other coaches and, and people that we know that, and we work with is that we're just normal, we're human, and we, mm. we can't know everything, and that's, that's okay. And I think when you show that vulnerability to your students, then you get a better relationship and, and, and a and an understanding that actually everyone can learn off each other and something everyone has value to add. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's mutual respect in so many ways. You know, the, the teacher-student model, um, I don't think is a partnership that's based on an equality of outcomes or, you know, um, I, I guess experiences. It's like we bring different things to the table and together that mix um, is wonderful. The dovetailing in of the yeah. old and the new and the, the Pac-Man and the, the dodgy old school 80s jokes and, and the incredible ability that students have to, um, you know, create a whole dialogue around um, League of Legends. Like that was actually fascinating to me. There was one yeah. point when kids were screaming because there was some kind of death happening and I was literally 
thinking that we were winning. <laughs> my first hour, I'm like, yes. And they're like, no, Mrs. Hunt. No, I'm, oh, no, oh, no, 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 now, yes, Mrs. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you might need like a color system. Like a, oh, now, right. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, it just makes you realize how much you don't know, right? And isn't that a beautiful thing too, to acknowledge that these are their areas of expertise and, you know, I think one of the things that our staff um, at Macaulay College have been so beautifully supportive of is that this is some of our kids' moments to shine, you know, mm -hmm. just in the way that we know at Swimming Carnival, some kids step yeah. into a space that they're really comfortable in, really confident, it's their time in a way that they don't necessarily experience in their English class or in their history class. In esports, it's the same thing. We've got kids walking around who are just, you know, constantly excited about what's coming up on Thursday or what they'll be practicing on Tuesday or the fact that the year sevens are rubbish at, you know, <laughs> oh my goodness, smash. Don't even talk to me about smash. It's like, why are we not getting DLS? I'm like, what is DLS? Okay, back to the staff room, Googling DLS. What is going on? You know, like it's it's amazing. And I think that um you know, in that respect, the relationship building piece is so profoundly beyond the time that they're gaming. That's been, mm. I, I guess, one of the, the bigger moments for me, if you like. I knew that there would be that because there always is with sport. But I think I'm, I'm hesitant to say it, but maybe I'm gonna. And that is that it does travel further beyond than the team stuff is in, in some settings at the mm. moment, in that the conversations... Um, around tactics and character selection and yeah, yeah. Um, all of the gameplay. It's so very intricate and yet so accessible um, at their level that it is conversational all the time. And so students who sometimes struggle in that social space, I'm noticing have so much to say so often through the week from what is essentially a very small investment at times in gameplay. You know, that's such a really powerful observation because I think it's I think it's merited as well. I think that the fact that students are constantly discussing and talking about character selection and tactics and, and things like that is probably um, yeah, it's indicative of the fact that this is what they do. This is, as you said, this is their moment to shine. This is their life outside of school, and you don't quite get that as much with traditional sports. Like, yes, they love training and they love the banter and they may love playing the you know competitions against other schools, but once that game's finished. They don't really dissect it, you know, for weeks and weeks or, or keep talking about, hey, you know, when that guy ran past you or when that girl scored the try, it just kind of seems to be like, well, that's it. We move on to the next one. But Yeah, you have the instant replays and you have sort of those moments when you come back and then, you know, the rest of the day goes on. But I just find these kids will talk about it all day. They'll argue about it all day. They'll go home you know, and interact with each other online about these topics. And so the potential for the relationship building is quite incredible. And, you know, I mentioned the, the investment of time. I, I think something we've really noticed and, and we're certainly keeping tabs on it now in, in a very direct way. Um, but we're seeing this, the students who are school refusers or at different times really struggle with attendance. The days when they're most likely to come are their esports days. Yeah. And so if you think about the investment there, like, you know, maybe it's a half an hour practice session, you're getting five periods of teaching and learning time. With yeah, those exactly. students. Like yeah. what other intervention strategy could possibly, you know, yield those results, I guess, is a question um, I'd ask, because certainly in, in my career, this has been a huge win. You know, I, yeah. I haven't just seen from a 30 minute investment 
you know, Old five age, periods of learning yeah, time exactly. those kids are in class. And, you know, and we haven't had to formalise any arrangement around, you know, if you don't come, you know, that this will happen or, or use it as a, a carrot or a stick. It's just it is what it is in mm. situ in our school and the culture building is kind of taking care of itself at this time. Yeah, that's that's so cool to hear. And, and I like the fact that you're not using it as a, a you know carrot or a stick or a reward because um, it's not what it's about. But it's a really mm. nice observation to hear that you're seeing an increase in attendance and, and you are, you know, getting quality teaching and learning time because you've got a training session and the kids are attending for the whole day. Um, I certainly think some places have moved to those carrot and stick models and over time perhaps that, that'll work. But I guess my philosophy and, and the support, you know, that I have at the school is that if you get the relationships right, and yeah. if you believe in the students and you provide these opportunities for them, you would hope that the growth that they would have um, through those opportunities would lead to the outcomes that you're looking for. So rather than having to use it as a carrot or stick, um, providing the students that space, space and having faith in them to utilise that um, is the first step. And then staying in for the longer term, you know, like there, there were difficulties at the start with some aspects of, of the program, um, some of it related to just being able to get the funds to get on board, you know, the space and the technology, um, just the routine, um, you know, essentially you're having to give up your own time to, to run these things in, in the recess breaks and things like that. Mm. And you've got to do some of that heavy lifting to show that things work. Yeah. Um, but once they're working, the momentum is is really fantastic. And I, I think that's true of so many things. If you're looking for the quick fix, it, it's probably not it. Yeah. Um, it's whatever is invested in it. I've seen it come back, you know, two, three times. And I guess that's the beauty of schools, right? Every school setting is different and what works in one setting may not work in the other. So I guess the flexibility around how schools use esports to engage, to motivate, is all really determinant on, you know, that setting itself. You know, you spoke a little bit about the support you've had, and I know you've had some great support there. Mm, and, and the amazing school. understand that. Have you had any discussions, um, you know, has that changed at all? Or did you have to kind of put forward a case to convince people about, hey, look, this is something that I think would be beneficial. I know that, as you said, it's an amazing school and you're really well supported, but I just wonder if there's even been staff members who are kind of like, oh, I'm not sure what that is. and Yeah, I think, um, you know, in, in parts of my career, it's definitely been the case that I've had to advocate for programs for students that I've believed in. Um, and that gets really old, you know. I, I'm sort of frustrated by that um, kind of idea that's in schools that you've kind of got, just got to bang down the door sometimes to get things done. Um, but in my experience at this school, that isn't the case, you know, really... Um, there's been so much mobility in esports in general across the mm. country. Um, it's happening quickly, but it is happening quite cohesively. Um, there's all different options to suit different settings. And so it sort of felt more like the opportunity was around picking the right kind of spaces for us to work into. Yeah. Um, as a small school, we're just, uh, you know, pretty brand new, to be honest. We're, we're already up to year 11 where we're taking up um, wow. our students from year seven. So this is our first year of year 11. Um, so, you, you know, this has been a growth area for us as we've grown and our staff are just phenomenal in that if, if they've come to our college, I think in part it's, it's because they're excited about doing something new. Um, although we have a wonderful tradition that we work in and, and touchstones that are, are based on 
strong values that, that have been in place in the system for a long time. It's also about, you know, doing things differently. We don't have the legacy within the school or staff that perhaps sometimes creates barriers. And I think that's probably a lesson that can transfer to all different settings. Although it might've been easier to get the initial green light in our school, you know, we had 12 staff when this first kicked off. So it's not like it was easy to staff it. We had a timetable, as you can imagine, with that few, you know, those few cohorts, the periods moving and shifting. I mean, that's mm. so difficult to have kids go out. I mean, you know, you know what a difficult kind of premise that's been. We're an hour away from the Gold Coast. So it's quite a long way in terms of being somewhere for an 8.30 start, particularly for us in a rural setting where we've got kids on farms who have to be able to travel an hour from their farm to the bus yeah. to get there for an 8.30 start. And the idea of hiring a bus when you're only taking eight students away or something like that for a day is very difficult mm. with a staff member. So now you're a staff member down as well in a staff of 12. Um, so it's not like it was easy, but I would say that um, one of the nice things about working with such a small staff and a staff who have that mentality of we're here to work and, and do something wonderful and, and, and be innovative and um, is that they look and they watch and they work in partnership. Everybody knows what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And so although in the beginning I'm sure esports was very much a mystery to so many people, I'm also sure that through our culture of sharing that happens naturally and um, you know, through considered effort, they've all seen what the program mm. looks like. Yeah. While they may not be into World of War, um, <laughs> or while I may be able to kick some butt on Atari with some of these people, <laughs> um, you know, they can see the change in some of the kids. They can see the spaces we're working into. And when kids vote with their feet and you've got 30 kids in a space for a recess training session, um, you know, what kind of teacher would walk past that room and not think, wow, look at all those kids smiling yeah. and talking and look at the diversity in that room. And isn't it great to see such and such actually yelling in support for a person that's in a different year level that they didn't know, you know, five weeks ago. Um, so those sorts of things, I think, um, really speak to the value of however big or small the community is, not you know, hiding esports away in terms of let's deprivatize it, let's make sure that we're asking at assemblies to have a match with the finalists from an in-school competition. Let's ask for the winners of our competitions in esports to be recognized at a celebration of excellence. Yeah. Let's make sure that if we're really talking the talk about having um, an experience through esports that has value, that we're showing the rest of the school community as well as our student body that this is meaningful. And over time, maybe not the first instance, but over time, I think mm. that enculturation is very important. That's that's amazing. And I think the fact that, as you said, um, yes, there have been issues, but as the school is a new school without that kind of longstanding legacy and motivation to share and to innovate, sometimes, as you touched on, that legacy builds, you know, longstanding barriers where something new and innovative and potentially you know that rocks or, or or questions the status quo can get overlooked as gimmicky so it's really nice mm. to see and hear that it's being implemented in things like celebrations of learning and excellence programs mm. and things like that because 
the value for the students is at the end of the, the day, that's why we do what we do. So it's great to hear that that's kind of taking place. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I wish it was happening in more places as well. So um, I think you'll get there. And yeah. it's great to hear that the school is so supportive and you get that community feel in a, in a smaller school where everyone's got each other's back and everyone's trying to help out because they see that it's for the kids. So, yeah, that's awesome to hear. Now, when we talk about the kids, this is a bit of a loaded question. I mean, obviously, they would have been super pumped and excited about, hey, we're going to be participating. Um, is that been the general consensus with your school? Absolutely. Uh, sometimes the pumped and excited has ended in black card moments, uh, <laughs> you know, because I, I don't want to paint the picture that, you know, it's it's all roses. It's yeah. like any um, setting where you have good days and then days where you think that was a real struggle for that student to interact at that level. You know, we've certainly seen some students really have their buttons pushed, you know, the stress that they've experienced, particularly some students who've got some needs that mean that you know, it's a challenging environment for them. Um, they have had those buttons pushed. And we haven't shied away from that being the case. We've had really clear expectations. And certainly eSports has the facility to put those um, expectations in place in a number of ways. But we see that as a really good thing, that we're actually allowing the students in a safe space with us to yeah. find their limits mm -hmm. and to learn all of the things that we would actually hope they are learning at school um, through that kind of vehicle. So, you know, when you have to deal with loss or when you have to deal with something where you think it's unfair or, you know, what some of my students talk about is, is when they're being, um, oh, what do they call it? Like the wave, that's it. Like the when wave. they're having yeah. just all of the enemy washing over them and there's this sense that there's no escape, the tsunami of everybody else is about to kill you coming over you. Gee, that can be very stressful. Mm. Um, you know, and the interaction between, I guess, what's happening live with students that they know very well in our space and unknown faceless students in other schools. Um, that's a very interesting relationship too, you know, yeah. not projecting um, negativity onto those people, um, understanding that they're just the same as us in a different space. They're sitting there together. Um, possibly they've They've had a pizza afternoon tea too and have settled in for the best three hours of their life in the <laughs> in the e-centre like we have, you know, but but right now they're the enemy and how do we transition between these different kinds of um, social spaces? I think one of the great things about so many of these settings is that um, whether it's in person or whether it's online, having a live and collaborative space is something that I think really allows the students to come to understand those different relationships better, shift mm. gears between their competitive self and, and, and the friendship space. And certainly um, when the older students have been on Discord in something like League of Legends, um, that's provided some great kind of chat room spaces where I know that friendships have then gone on um, in the right way, having been yeah. set up the right way from that point. But to me, there's still nothing like live. And I know that when we've brought the kids to the Fuse Cup in particular, having the conversations um, around being prepared for the competition and taking them to that space, um, it's really amazing to see the nerves and the high energy. Um, and as they start dropping out of the competition, the friendships, the kids yeah. sitting together who've got the same interests and the same characters, 
the little fringe games as they start to want to go off and, and replay something together or someone said something about this move and suddenly they're off sharing trade secrets even though they could be competing against each other next time. Um, and I know that our kids have walked away with friendships that they still have from simply being in each other's presence for three or four hours. Mm. So while I do love the online space when, you know, it, it, it presents itself as an opportunity, to be honest, I still feel like the in-person in connection um, through these kinds of competitions is, is what's really working for us. Yeah, it's... Um... I think there's an, uh, an added benefit and an added element when, when kids can physically see each other and interact, mm-hmm. you know, then you have that social interaction, not just the on screen on, you know, on discord or online, but they're, they're seeing each other. They're, you know, wishing each other luck. And as you said, as they start to bow out of the competition, you know, we see kids talking to each other from different schools. And as you said, showing different moves and, that's the thing that we really value. And we just like giving those kids the opportunity who sometimes haven't really had, you know, a a competitive sporting opportunity ever at school. So exactly. And and to win in that competitive sporting opportunity. Um, And, you know, I don't think, I don't know if I'm saying this the right way, but for kids that have lost a lot at times, Mm. it has amazed me how um, difficult losing actually is for these kids Mm. if that makes sense like practicing losing is actually very very important Mm. and i think resilience is kind of an overused word sometimes because you know i certainly see that some of the kids who people might you know say have the least resilience because they get upset about something or because um you know they don't come to school as often as possibly they could or what have you yeah, actually, some of those kids have the most resilience of any kid you'll ever meet. Just getting to school was a massive deal for them. Or the fact that they are playing again, and yet every competitive sport experience they've ever had, they've been hammered. They're the littlest or they're, you know, just not for whatever reason excited at all about playing basketball. And so they stand in the corner and, and don't shoot and no one passes them the ball forevermore. They haven't since grade two. You know, we definitely have some of those kids. But, gee, I love busting stereotypes because we've got some of our best sport kids, um, you know, who are fantastic cricketers or, you know, rugby players or whatever in there too, absolutely hammering the Nintendo. So um, I think it's time to move on from talking about what kinds of kids are gamers and which kinds of kids will like esports because it's a big spectrum. Um, and and those stereotypes really... Um, aren't necessarily helpful for sure there's good gaps for the kids who haven't succeeded in in on the field but that's not what it's all about that's that's part of it but it's not it's really not encapsulating the flavor i think now amen absolutely like that is yeah you're you're so right the stereotypes are so diverse there are so many kids that play Mm. and and they're not all kids who don't generally play traditional sports we have kids as you said uh, gun cricketers or swimmers and um, yeah, I think that stereotype is starting to change. And that kind of leads me into the next kind of question around misconceptions. So I know that the, you know, which type of kid is a gamer is a big misconception, but what do you think some of the other- Did you just say gamer like that? Gamer. Because it sounded like it did. Yeah, yeah, I can't help myself. Everything's gamer. Oh, geez, I don't, I didn't think I yeah. did. Maybe I did. And uh, what is the other one I say all as well? Like, oh, rage fail, rage fail. <laughs> it's just, it's the best. 
So I'm learning so many new terminology pieces that, yeah, to be honest, like it. it's all about me. I'm only doing this for me. It's keeping yeah, me cool. Cheering on when cool. your kids are losing as well. Woo! Gamer. <laughs> Gamer. Um, <laughs> so, in terms of parents um, and maybe even staff, what do you think some of the misconceptions around esports have been? I mean, we've touched on you know stereotypes, but have there been any others? Oh, I think that you can eat pizza when you're doing it. The problem is, you know, we've proved that you can. Um, but in, in all seriousness, yeah. I <laughs> I have said for a while, this is, wow, this is controversy now, that, you know, darts and, and, and 10 pin bowling should not be in the Olympic Games because you can eat chips while you're playing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I've lost friends over that one. So lucky I didn't say that on a recording. Um, but anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, Apologies to all my friends who made the Commonwealth Games in those sports. <laughs> it is a sport. Um, you train very hard. No, but in all seriousness, I, I think um, one of the, the hardest things for people to understand about esports is that um, although some students, I would say, would label themselves as esporters or gamers or really find um, that those sorts of generalist um, kind of terms fit them. For me, it's really been about seeing how diverse the spectrum of game choice is with the students and therefore how they niche down and then only see themselves in that one spot. Mm. So, you know, I had an early disappointment when we didn't transition from Mario Kart into Smash very well. So we had two quite different opportunities and I just assumed because the program had been growing that it would continue to do so with the second offering that we put on. Mm. And it was just like starting all over again. Yeah. So all the kids who were coming before didn't jump in. I didn't even think to ask, you know, like my normal sort of style is really getting out there and asking everybody, what do you, you know, what do you want to do and how could we do this and come and join in the conversation and be a part of it. But I'd just gone ahead because I was cruising through that first kind of setup and, and just thought we'd just keep adding to the repertoire. And it was just yeah. like, you know, when the tumbleweed goes past in the movies, I know. with someone just looking out a window in an old west and a tumbleweed goes by, or maybe it's the crickets in the background. That was... You doing a Bueller. 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 Exactly. You're reading me. And, you know, I had to go out prospecting and actually tap kids and start to say, who knows someone who, who plays Smash? And once I had people pointing the fingers at a few people, they then came together. And as soon as they saw, you know, that there was a, a cool place to play and we were ready to go and there was a competition, then their friends started coming with them at, at break time and away we were again. And I silently said, thank goodness, because wow, that was a near miss and, and, and you know, just a rookie mistake. Um, but it's really like asking a kid who's a phenomenal tennis player to jump in a swimming pool. Yeah. You know, like they might be handy in the pool compared to someone else without that fitness level. But you're not a swimmer, you're a tennis player. Mm. To say that you're an athlete is such a general term. I'd love to see a table tennis player, you know, get on the rugby field. Um, I mean, mad skills, but the ball is quite different and the human beings running at you are quite different. So that has been, I think, a bit of a revelation for us and just strategically thinking that through has been something we've needed to do. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's an often it's a very normal misconception that, that staff may have because they may not. Why understand. didn't you tell me, Dan? <laughs> it's all about learning through well, failures. Well, now I have someone to blame, so isn't yeah. that nice? <laughs> my bad, my bad. Um, 
you know, one of the, the beautiful things about being a teacher or being in schools is hearing those, those snippets from kids, you know, the, those kind of conversations that we're, we're privy to that they don't think we're listening to. I mean, have you caught any of those around, you know, around students training or competing? Yeah, it's all about who was asking for which particular controller for Christmas. Um, and then there was like this covert operation by one student to actually get me to suggest to the parents that it was actually a requirement. But no. the whole ask was quite incredible, to be honest. It wasn't just this outward, can you just tell my mum that I really want this thing? It was like, you know, I just think if I was practicing with this, this would really help my skills. And you're always talking about going the extra mile you know, I'm just thinking if my mom was aware that this would be so advantageous and I'm just like, did they just use the word advantageous? This is incredible. I'll buy you the damn thing myself. Yeah. Look at you go. <laughs> oh, so, you know, I think you, that, you know, using their, your words against you. Wow. Um, but I think it's just the, the, the length that they'll go to, to um, I guess, create their own space that that's really exciting so it's not just about the conversations it's the way that um the particular room that we use has become their kind of safe space you know i'd love to um be cashed up to buy some fantastic chairs and things like that i think schools that have that opportunity mm -hmm. um that's moving in the right direction not because it looks cool but because it creates a space where the equipment actually signals to the players that they're important the investment that yeah. you're showing in the kids actually says to them in a tangible way, we value this. And certainly our central leaders, um, leadership team has come in a number of times to their practice sessions. And when we've got new games, you know, I'm always talking about the support they have with the investment from the whole teaching team. And you watch these kids walk up to the principal and say, hey, thanks for getting us elder and, you know, oh, talking that so through. Cool. And yeah, that it's, it's a, you know, you can say to students, we, we all know this, how many times something positive has to be said for, to them for it to really resonate. Every now and then you catch the sweet spot and you are able to do something pretty, pretty special in a moment. But I've found buying kids a video game, you know, <laughs> there's something about that because there's a, I think we talk about stereotypes from teachers looking at kids with, with esports. They're full of the stereotypes too that mm. teachers don't like gaming or that yeah. teachers yeah. would think this is a bad thing or that this school wouldn't think that, you know, we should be wasting our time on our computers or gaming. So, you know, to actually buy them something and give them that space and that home, that means the world quite often to them. Yeah, it's so true. And, and you know, that's something that we don't often think about. The stereotypes go both ways too. So mm. that, you know, showing the kids that, hey, you value this and we value this because it's important yeah. to you and we can see they always come up to you hey at the end of the competition with a really genuine like always. thanks mr Martinez, yeah. for it's... like running it because you're like a grown-up who's letting them come to a space with all these other schools and play and they're just they're so grateful for it oh man and it, and it like it fills me with pride like it's so genuine too you can tell when yeah. kids have been put forward to go and say yeah. thank you and it's just it's so natural. Like, you know, we've all done it. Go, as, go as, now, go you know, now. You're a good speaker. Go, go, go you, team, go, teammate, go. go. On behalf of, like, it's none of that. It's just really genuine. And it happens at all competitions. And it's just, I know how much it means to them. Nice. So it's so cool. Um, 
you know, we've spoken a lot about the challenges and a lot about, you know, the positives. So we won't go over that. But in terms of advice, I mean, you, you know, your school has entered multiple competitions. Um, you know, the Chisholm one's a fantastic one that you're part of. You're part of ours. You know, you're picking and choosing competitions that fit really well for different kids. And that's awesome. But what do you think, what would be some advice you'd give others who might be interested in, in getting involved in esports? Yeah, well, don't do the assuming that esports will bring, you know, them all to town because I think surveying the kids and and not having expectations around, um, you know, well, this is the best game that will suit us and that's the best competition for us to go to. Therefore, on those dates, you know, we can do it. So who'd like to play? You can't reverse engineer it like that. Mm. Um, it's asking the kids what they want to play. It's then finding the opportunities to kind of have some great endpoints for, you know, that skill building. So um, I think that that's really important. And and quite often these kids will play the same single game all year. Like that will not worry them because it's not actually about the game. The, the game's the conduit to all that great relationship building, all the competition, and it's just different every time they play. So even if you start with one thing, make it the right thing based on asking the kids, which even as I'm saying it out loud, sounds, you know, so um, incredibly obvious. But I think that um, sometimes in school systems, we have things put forward um, towards us that then we sort of build back from. So in your school setting, if there's something running that's a particular game, that's great, but don't then put out the flyers for that and say, who wants to play, I would say. I would actually ask the kids what they're already playing and have success from those first groups, the enculturation will start to happen as other kids come to play with them and you can build the skills then from that first team because anything you don't know, kids who put their hand up saying they were already playing it can fill the gaps for you, have that leadership opportunity, um, work with younger year levels and get a huge kick out of it. And as soon as you've got um, a fantastic kind of upward um vertical kind of model going there you're flying and you won't look back yeah and um in true kathy hunt fashion student voice and student agency is is key for buy-in and and for that kind of long-going um culture building so yeah it's great advice um where do you think the future of esports and education is going um i'm not sure <laughs> is the <laughs> is the short version yeah it, it's an interesting one i still think that there's a lot of work to do, um, particularly in um, settings where there are some of the barriers we've already talked about. But I just think that there's so much forward momentum that we're definitely going to see um, a lot more of these small scale and social opportunities for students to, you know, go local and, and work with schools in their, their district in these competitive spaces. Um, I think that there's going to just be more and more links between um, you know, web app and game dev and, and all of that sort of stuff at universities, particularly using spaces like their arenas as kind of grounds to connect with people and get students excited about those spaces and to promote their universities. Um, we've got one student in our school whose brother's a QT Tiger, and it's just the fanboying that goes on from the whole crew about this person and their interactions and how can that not be just amazing publicity for UQ and for people, you know, wanting to pursue a career, not just in gaming itself, but in all of the surrounded areas. So 
Um, of course, it only makes sense to me that the area is going to grow. But I guess, um, you know, with all of the side areas like AR and VR, um, I'm not 100% sure what it's going to look like. Um, we actually started doing quite a lot of things with Oculus and, and working in that space a little bit with some e-sporting. Um, but COVID's actually put a halt to a lot of that, given the way that the goggles yeah. operate and, and yeah. how we're able to facilitate it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of, although, you know, I, I think it's funny, a lot of people might think that I'm an early adopter of things because I tend to be, you know, pretty excited about stuff that, that's out there and that's available. But I'm never the first one on anything because <laughs> I always really like to see um, the iterations, um, you know, as they get better and to choose the right time to jump in when something's got real value and when I know that it's going to work. And for sure, then I'll hit it with my own flavor and, and, and love to innovate with the kids that I have with me and, and to go forth from that point. But I still really believe that in schools, you've got to know that something works. There's that practical kind of idea that, um, you know, if you're going to put a lot of time and effort, money, energy into these programs, they've got to have value for the kids. And in that respect, it is time for esports now. You know, like if you're waiting, I don't know why, because it's now. Mm. Um, and if you're thinking about the future and, and waiting for that moment, it's, it's now, like, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? Get involved. These are the competitions now, like the Fuse Cup, where you've got the facility and the support. So get in, do it now. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about you not being uh, the first one on board with things. And I don't know if that's true in particular, but one thing I do Close know- second. Well, you may be a close second, but my goodness, do you innovate the bejesus out of them <laughs> once you do, you know, with that endless creativity and that just, yeah, I've seen you do some amazing things. So it's great to see you involved in the esports space. And I know that, you know, the, your school and your community are, are only richer for, for your involvement. Now, I've got one more question for you, Mrs. Hunt. Now, a lot of people watching this may not know that you're actually, you know, a world-renowned art ed specialist. So what I'm really interested in, obviously, that's your area of passion. That's your, that's what you do, you know, better than nearly anyone I've, I know. Have you seen any links between esports and you know the arts and and arts education? Well, I think that you know so much about game design is really about creating a space um, that the kids have that emotional connection to um, in a very similar way to the way that an artist will try and present an engaging work. You know, so many of the most successful artworks are really about transporting you into a different place, making you think in a different way, making you interact with the people beside you, have a conversation about something contentious or um, bringing a perspective to life that perhaps you wouldn't have access to or that you wouldn't consider or empathise with. And in that respect, there are some very strong similarities between what game designers actually set out to achieve. And just like the different kinds of materials and I guess um, movements in the art space, mm. the different games actually provide those different settings and, and, and provide different places of contact. Like, you know, if you look at an iOS game like Monument Valley and you compare that, yeah. you know, to... Um, League of Legends and you compare that to Mario Kart and you compare that to Smash like these places are, are not 
um, although they all come under the banner of esports, they're, they're places to go to and to be and to interact with that um, really provide the students an experience that they can have in no other way. So as an artist, I'm very interested in how that actually is created. And there's so many moving parts in that space um, that certainly the mindset of an artist, if that's the career that you want to go into, or if that's an area that you'd like to pursue further, that could only be advantageous. Mm. Um, and I guess too, in terms of, of looking at the world through an artist's lens, as I really do, um, you know, I'm just always fascinated by the way people interact with tools and materials and how it actually can change the way that they feel, the way they behave, um, and so, you know, I think that this is a fantastic time for us to just pause and have a look at these spaces for students and really start to think about how we as teachers can actually provide these spaces for kids to be creative in. And, and they are being creative in these spaces in so many ways. Um, in terms of making physical art, I'd really love to do more with the, um, the VR space in particular. Um, there's still quite a lot of um, pressure points with that, just with how much equipment, how much it costs, the individual nature of quite yeah. a lot of the experiences. Um, but, you know, we have to remember that artists were, you know, a huge part of um, the production of the camera and that, mm. you know, the Impressionists, you can't talk about the Impressionists without talking about technology in the way that they yeah. used paint tubes and went out and, and painted on plein air. Like, yeah artists have been at the forefront of the technology since there were labeled artists. So yeah, right. um, although some people might not see the fit with me, it certainly makes a lot of sense in, in my mind. Always great ways to link it back. And, and uh, you know, that there's a lot to think about in that. Um, and, you know, as with the, the rest of the podcast, you know, it's been an honor having you on Mrs. Hunt. Um, I've loved chatting with you again and seeing your face. I'm looking forward to seeing you, and your teams in um in a couple week of weeks. Week two face is at least three years older than it would be if you'd left in another couple of weeks. I well, got in early. Got in early, see? My God. <laughs> Thank you so much for being part of our, our new podcast. Um, I know people are gonna love this episode. I know there's lots to kind of dissect and and to think about. And I really value your unique perspective um, on all things in education, especially esports. So thank you so much for being on. Um, and yeah, stay, stay crazy. We'll see you soon. Always. Thank you so much. All right. Cool, dude. We're done. Let me just get that. Whoa. Stop recording.